welcome and glad to see so many of you here at the South Hills campus. We want to welcome all of our campuses who join us for this service as well as all of you join us online. As Rick said, when you're online, you have a great opportunity to invite someone to church. So if you haven't yet, uh, share the service with those online. So it's been about uh, 20 months. For those of you who don't know, I'm the associate pastor here at the Bible Chapel, and I was our campus pastor in Wilkinsburg. And about 20 months ago, I made that transition to the South Hills. And in the first few weeks that I was here in the South Hills, I was on a mission to meet people. So I walked around the FLC during the Wednesday night dinners just to meet people. And on probably the second Wednesday night, this woman yells out, hey, pastor, my husband likes you and he has a lot of questions. So I walked over, met the couple and those at the table. Uh, and the husband's name was George. George was 91 years old, and he was very quiet, very quiet when I met him. So we scheduled a time for me to, to meet with George. It was on another Wednesday night, and uh, it was a time where I didn't have any teaching responsibilities that night. So I told my wife, Kristen, I should be home at a decent hour, meeting with a guy named George, 5.30, and he has a few questions. So George walks in, he has his Bible and his notepad, and he sits down, and one of the first things he says as pastor, I still have so many things I still don't understand about God. He shared his testimony with me, a lot of heartache in that testimony. His dad died at a young age from cancer. Uh, his brother, his uh, brother died at a young age from cancer. His mom battled diabetes for years before she passed. And George and 91 years old, had been battling cancer in different forms for 24 years. At that moment, George was battling prostate cancer. And, and in the conversation, George says, you know, I, I don't blame God for anything that has happened in my life, but to be honest, there's still so many things I feel like I don't understand about God. So he said, can I ask you a few questions? I said, absolutely, George, that's, that's why we're here, let's do it. Opens up his Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. And he says, explain to me, what does it really mean that we are created in God's image? It was at that moment I discreetly got my phone out, texted Kristen, never mind, I'll probably see you later tonight. George and I had a fantastic conversation. And I'm going to come back to George a little bit later on. I want to ask you, though, can you relate to George? Maybe now or a moment in your life where you just said, I feel like I don't understand God. Or is, are we even able to understand God? That's the point of this series. That's the point of the topic we'll talk about today. The series that Ron kicked off last week that we have entitled Known God. The image shows K-N-O-W pop out of that word unknown because as Ron said, we're basing this out of Acts 17. Paul's walking around Athens with all these gods. They even had a god to the unknown God. And, and Paul, was, as Ron walked us through last week, proclaimed the one true God. We want to look at the attributes of God. And through this series, our goal is three things. That all of us would know God more intimately. You can never say, I'm as close as I can get with the Lord. Two, live for God more intentionally. 
And three, as believers, that we would share Jesus more boldly. And today, we're going to look at this attribute of God. God is incomprehensible. Therefore, the tough question is, if God is incomprehensible, how can we then understand him? Father, we we come before you this weekend, and we are thankful each time in the midst of a week that, honestly, we never know what's going to happen during this COVID time. For parents, probably school regulations got changed, so now they're adapting. For some, work got changed. Things are, are moving around. For some, maybe loved ones are going through tough hardship. And God, what a relief that in the midst of not knowing what will happen week to week, that we know every weekend we're going to gather, whether it's physically or digitally online, we're going to gather as a church. We have that anchor that we know the church will continue to gather by the power of your spirit. As always, when we do, we ask that you would teach us as only you can, so that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be honoring and pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we say that God is incomprehensible, that means because we are finite, limited, and sinful human beings, There is no possible way through unaided human reason that we could possibly fully understand the infinite, perfect, all-powerful, and all-knowing God. It just doesn't work. Scripture says it this way. Psalm 147 says, great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Back to the psalm. Psalm 145.3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Since God is incomprehensible, we see that in Scripture. It's key to first grasp that in order to understand the unsearchable God, he must reveal himself to us. Man, on our own effort, unaided human reason, trying to attempt to understand God, will fall short. He's incomprehensible. Therefore, the incomprehensible one must therefore reveal himself to us. So really, the question shouldn't be more like this. It should be less, how do we understand God, and more, how does God clearly reveal himself to us? Does that make sense? Less, how do I understand God, and more, how has God clearly revealed himself to us. Because here's the deal. If we know anything about God, it is because he has graciously chosen to make himself known. His revelation to us is a gift. And we praise God that he has made himself known. The problem often is when I meet with people, is he hasn't made himself fully known in every way that we understand him like we understand one another. There's always something where someone says, I just don't understand, and they think I got the magic answers. I say, I might not understand either. He's still God, 
and we're not. So there's always going to be certain things that we just don't understand unless we put them on the same playing field, and that doesn't happen. But has God revealed everything we need to know to know him intimately? Absolutely. Has God giving us, revealed to us everything we know to follow him intentionally? Absolutely. Has God given us everything we need to share him boldly? Absolutely. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at three ways that God has clearly revealed himself to us. And as always, we need to respond. So what's our response to each of these three ways? Here's the first one. God clearly reveals himself through his creation. God's eternal existence, his eternal nature, his power is clearly revealed through his created order, his physical creation alone. Psalm 19.1.2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims, reveals his handiwork. I love this. Day to day it pours out speech. The physical creation just pours out speech of here is who God is, and night to night it reveals knowledge, knowledge of, a, knowledge of who God is. The natural order, the vastness, the ridiculous intelligent design with creation cries out, there is an almighty creator. And scripture says this is so revealing to man that we are without excuse to say just with his physical creation alone to at least acknowledge there is a God. Romans 1.20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So we are without excuse. In God's greatest revelation, I believe, of himself through his physical creation is you, is me human beings. If you just look at our physical bodies on their own, the ridiculous complexity and intelligent design, how could you say there's not a creator behind it all? Just think about the DNA in your cells. It's the genetic coding that makes you unique compared to anyone else on this earth. Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, he said the DNA in just your cells is so complex, Microsoft could never make a computer software that could match up to the complexity and the coding of the very DNA in your body. Sciencefocus.com said if you would just uh, unwind all the DNA in your body, it would wrap around the solar system not once, but twice. That's just the DNA in your cells. That's how uniquely created we are as human beings. That's that's the intelligent design of our creator. And what sets us apart from all of other physical creation is what George asked me, what it means to be created in the image of God. Genesis 1.26. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Even though we are marred by sin, you and I reflect our creator. We reflect God, meaning we reveal him in how we function and act. When our two-year-old son 
begins to create and put a few Legos together, he's reflecting the ultimate creator. When you and I crave love and give love to one another, we are reflecting God who is love. When you and I have been given that dominion that God gave back in Genesis to humanity, that dominion over all things, the the animals, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, how we have dominion over this earth, well, that was given by God, and it reflects him who has the ultimate dominion, sovereignty over all things. Right now, even during COVID, we're separated here in the worship center online by our families, but we, we all crave relationship. We're wired like that. We reflect God, who lives in perfect relationship, Father, Son, and Spirit, the Trinity that we're going to hit next week. So first and foremost, we can begin to understand God just through observing his physical creation alone. Scripture says, it's pretty straightforward, if you can look at the physical creation alone and say there is no God, you're a fool. Psalm 14.1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So how do we respond? How do we respond to that first one, that God has clearly revealed himself through his creation? Well, let me ask you, how intentional are you in noticing and connecting with God through his physical creation? During COVID, get outside if you can. Get outside Go for a walk on the trail. Sit under a tree. Observe the birds in the air, the wind, the the rain, and how it replenishes the earth. We've had some crazy storms in Pittsburgh this past month, and I took this picture. I'm not a good photographer. There's way better ones, but this is one I took of a rainbow in our neighborhood. We just put our kids to bed, and we said, get out of bed. Come on down and see them. They were just so excited to get out of bed, but they saw the rainbow. And one of them said, who made the rainbow? Can you get a better opportunity there to reveal God? When's the last time you just got out in the physical creation with the aim to be with God, to look upon his handiwork, to praise him for who he is as the creator? And when you look at yourself in the mirror, And maybe most times you don't like what you see. God says he loves you. I've uniquely created you. Psalm 139 says you're fearfully and wonderfully made by your creator. He desires to reveal himself personally to you and then through you reveal himself to those who don't know him. Be intentional. Be intentional. Seeing God through his creation. Number two, God clearly reveals himself through his written word. The Bible that was formed by 40 different authors, writers, over a period of 1,500 years, and yet is a complete and perfect whole. That's because this is a book 
although penned by man, was not produced by man, but was produced by God working through them. As 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 just says, knowing that first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from who? God. As they were carried along, as the Holy Spirit spoke through them the words that you and I have today. I love how Paul puts it in in, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God breathed by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. That phrase God breathed is the Greek word theopneustos which literally means breathed out by God. It's not that God looked at the letters of Paul or Peter and said, I like those, I'm going to bless them. No, literally breathed out by God through the writers of Scripture. That's why it is the inerrant word of God, the divinely inspired word of God and the authoritative word of God that never changes. God chose to reveal himself in his love story for you and I through his word. And if you remember, if you weren't here, our Relevant Faith series last summer, Ron broke down why the Bible is reliable. And you can go back to that sermon, but he clearly laid out that there is not another piece of ancient literature that is better preserved than the word of God from the original manuscripts. Not even close. Why? Because God not only spoke out the original manuscripts of Scripture. He made sure through the church that it was preserved for you and I today. If you go research church history, do you know how many people have died, given their lives, so we can have the Bible? And you know how blessed we are in our country? We have have it on our phones. We have it right here. We should stand in awe that we get to understand God because he has chosen to reveal himself through his word and be thankful for all of those who have given their life that it's still preserved today. So what's our response? Pretty straightforward on this one. Are you committing yourself to reading the word of God every day and connecting to biblical community? That's why if you're new at the Bible Chapel, maybe over online through the last few months, you've you've become part of our church. We've had so many uh, unique connections during this COVID time. We're thankful our church is founded on John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. God's word alone is the absolute truth in an ever-changing culture of confusion. That's why we're set apart. We're set apart because we cling not to the subjective ways of man, but the absolute truths of God's word. That's what sets apart us as the church of Jesus Christ. And if you go back to that word understand, if you desire to understand who you are and how you're wired to exist, read God's word. If you want to understand why this world is so jacked up, read God's word. Genesis 3, it doesn't take long. If you desire to be the best husband or wife, father or mother you can be, read God's word. If you desire to raise selfless children in an individualistic culture, read God's word and then teach them God's word. 
If you desire to know why your job is not just a job, it's a ministry that God wants to use to glorify him, read God's word. If you desire everlasting community, not this fake stuff, but true community and what it looks like, read God's word and then plant roots in Christian community. That's why we're pushing these digital discussion groups and small groups right now. that's, That's our mode right now is we can't meet as we used to physically. Get involved. We love to help you get involved in a group. And if you desire, actually, truly desire to see change happen in our nation, the issues going on such as injustice, read and implement God's word. People celebrate the work of Dr. Martin Luther King, but they rarely, rarely nail down what made him most effective. MLK wasn't perfect, but he clung to the absolute truth of God's word. He said, that's the only way you can change the heart of a man. If you stick to subjective ways, you'll get nowhere when it comes to the progress of the heart. That's why Dr. King said this. He said, in contrast to ethical relativism, where morality always changes, good luck with that. He says, Christianity sets forth a system of absolute moral values and affirms that God has placed within the very structure of this universe certain moral principles that are fixed and immutable. God's word creates everlasting solutions, not temporary solutions to the problems of man. There's no substitute for God's word in your life. Now, we should all, all have brothers and sisters in Christ who invest in us, disciple us. But if you rely solely on a pastor or a theologian or another person to teach you God's word, you're missing it. Just open the book and read it for yourself. Let God reveal himself to you individually as you commit yourself to the study of of the word of God. So through his creation, through his word, and one more, doesn't get any better than this, he has clearly revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Pulitzer Prize-winning historian, Will Durant, he's been uh, credited, by the way, he's not a believer. He is not a believer. And he's been credited as writing the best work in history on history. It's called his 11 volume, The Story of Civilization. He writes a section on Caesar and Christ, and he wraps up his portion on Jesus in this manner. After two centuries of higher criticism, the outlines of the life, character, and teaching of Christ remain reasonably clear and constitute the most fascinating feature of the history of Western man. Why does history alone marvel at the life of Jesus as he was the most fascinating feature of civilization because he is, was, always will be the son of the living God. He is, as Hebrews says, the exact imprint of the nature of God. God ultimately revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's through Jesus Christ alone one can begin a relationship with the living God. And talk about clear understanding. Jesus himself made it crystal clear in scripture who he is. Here's what Jesus said from the words of his mouth. He says, I'm the son of God. I'm the son of man. I'm the giver of eternal life. 
I am one with the Father. He says, I am God. I'm the one who forgives sins. I'm the one who heals. You, you hungry for something of substance in your life? I am the bread of life. Feel like a lost sheep in this world? I'm the good shepherd. I'm the true vine. You want to produce what God has put you on this earth to do? I am that true vine. And going back to that Hebrew of Yahweh in the Old Testament, that revered word, he says, I am the great I am. I'm the giver of living water. Man, you thirsty? Are you thirsty for righteousness? You thirsty for an everlasting quench of what it means to have a relationship with the living God? That's me. Living in a dark time, I'm the light of the world. I'm also the judge, meaning one day, whether you trusted in me or not will determine where you spend eternity. I'm the door of salvation. He made it crystal clear. I'm the Savior. I'm the Messiah. And for those who wonder if there's multiple ways to God, he eliminated that question when he said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, not one of many. I'm it. That's why the Christians in the New Testament were first called a belonging to the way before they were ever even called Christians. He says, I'm the way. I'm the life. I'm the life. I'm the truth. I don't just spit out truth. I am truth. And no one can come to the Father. No one can have a relationship with the Heavenly Father except through me. Jesus says, the incomprehensible one wants you to know crystal clearly that he loves you so much, he sent me, the Son of God, took on flesh, fully God, fully man, so he could die in our place. You want to talk about love, Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us in this. Well, you and I were still sinners. We don't clean ourselves up first. No, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. There's no greater love than the love of the incomprehensible one making himself known, but not just known, sacrificing his son on our behalf. So how should we respond? Three steps. Have you trusted in Jesus? Do you know without a doubt that you have said, I know that I'm a sinner. There's no way to have a relationship with the living God on my own best effort. I will always fall short. Therefore, I believe that God's son took on flesh. He lived the perfect life that I could never live, and he died on the cross for my sin. But praise God, he did not remain in the grave, but he rose again. Therefore, I profess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Do you believe that? That's the first step. And believers, are you following him intentionally? How are you doing in the word of God? If there was a fourth way that we could hit today how God reveals himself, it's you and me. It's the church. He told the disciples, you're it. Go and make disciples. I'm going to reveal myself through you. How are we, church, 
revealing Jesus to those who don't know him? Are we sharing Jesus? I see a ton of believers sharing political posts and many other things on social media. When are we going to start proclaiming the good news of Jesus that boldly? Saying there's no greater message, no greater things we could share than the good news of Jesus Christ. So I spoke with George on Tuesday, and uh, he made sure it was clear he's no longer 91, he's 92. He is 92 years old. Uh, he's still battling prostate cancer. Pray for him and his wife as he, uh, he's struggling getting treatment just with COVID and everything. They're making, making those decisions together. So we caught up and we reflected on that first conversation in my office over a year ago. Uh, and without me knowing, I was going to talk on these three subjects of how God reveals himself. He, he said that he was on the porch with his wife this week, and he was looking at all the birds coming in and out of the bird feeder. And he says, how could someone look at this and say it was an accident? He's saying, I see God. I see God right now. I love it. 92 years old. Still marveled at God. And then he said he's been reading a lot of different books. But he said, don't worry, Pastor. I always read the Bible first. Right now, he's traveling through the Psalms, 92 years old, and still hungry for the revealed truth of God's word. And I hung up the phone and uh, reflected on that conversation we had. And I thought, George and I are 55 years apart in age. How could we have a connection like that? because he's trusted in Jesus and I've trusted in Jesus. And the same spirit of God that indwells in George indwells in me and there is no greater bond than the spirit of the living God. Have you trusted in Jesus without a doubt as your Lord and Savior? Church, are you intentionally following him with everything you got through his, the revealed truth of his word, the commitment to worship? Thank you. I know this has been tough for all of us, but that commitment to biblical community. And let me ask you this week, will you get out and look for God in his creation? Marvel at what you see. You know what I love about George? He still knows he doesn't know everything about God. He could live to 992 and he would still never know everything there is to know about God. But he has peace because he knows Jesus is all I need. We're about to sing. I'm going to ask you to stay seated. Stay seated at home as well. Let these words wash over you. It's going to talk about how, how even God's physical creation says, God, you're beautiful. It talks about that, that day, one day when he will return and we will go to be with him, that beautiful day. But in the middle, it says this, I see you there hanging on the tree. You bled and then you died when you gave your life for now you're sitting in heaven on your throne and because of what you've done for me how could I not say God you're 